Welcome to the Rock House Baptist Church Podcast. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to grow closer to God and to share Him with others. If you would like to find out more about this church or how you can connect, grow, and go, then be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org. And now, today's message. So we've been uh, going through the Word still together, and I hope you're enjoying that. I tell you what, I'm really enjoying preaching through the Word, and uh, I'm going to turn me down just a little bit, because usually there's a lot of bodies in here. But we've been going through the whole Bible together as a church, and for the last little bit, we've been going through some of the history of the nation of Israel, dealing with some of these kings and and prophets and, and, and different characters, and I've got a picture today, a couple pictures, where this scene today took place. We took these pictures back in January when we were in Israel, standing on Mount Carmel, or Mount Carmel as they say in Israel, and it's the scene that we're going to talk about today, the very place where God sent fire down from heaven. And basically, you can see how high this is. Most of the nation got to see what took place on the day that we're talking about this morning with the prophet Elijah. So, here's the background. When we were together last week, we talked about King Solomon and it coming to the end of his reign. Solomon was a, a wise king, but he's imperfect in many ways. And when Solomon dies, the nation is divided into two kingdoms, the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. And so, there's a series from that point on each side of good kings and bad kings. But honestly, for the most part, most of them are bad. They're evil. They uh, worship idols and they lead the people to worship idols. And just really the whole nation becomes a very dark place to be. The nation falls completely into idol worship and, and just totally turns their back on God. But here's what I've found. Our God, and the theme we're talking about this morning, is our unstoppable God. Our God always sends a light into the very darkest places, doesn't He? You think of the very darkest moment of your life. God somehow sent a light into your life. And that's what He did for the nation of Israel. He sends a man, a prophet by the name of Elijah, into the darkness. And Elijah is God's mouthpiece for the nation. And he's telling them, basically, y'all need to find some get right or things are going to get really bad. God's going to send famine, and He does. God is going to send these different judgments, and He does. And through Elijah, God performs all these different miracles just to try and, and, and show the people that God is still real. It's to the point that Elijah actually raises a young boy back from the dead, which is pretty awesome, I ain't going to lie. But there was an evil queen, terribly evil queen, by the name of Jezebel. You've probably heard that name before. You should not call your wife Jezebel, guys. She's very evil, very bad person. And she, she had all of God's prophets slaughtered, killed them all. She was so evil. However, God preserved Elijah. Elijah escaped from that slaughter. And now, instead of having prophets of God, the nation of Israel has prophets of the false god named Baal. I can't even wrap my mind around this situation. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, 
It's where we'll be this morning. God tells his man Elijah, it's time for a showdown. It's time for one of these old-fashioned high-noon showdowns between me and the false prophets of Baal. And it's time for you to confront the evil king Ahab, confront my sinful people Israel, and it's time for my people, Elijah, who are called by my name to humble themselves and remember that I am God. And so Elijah goes, and Ahab wants to kill Elijah, but he goes to Ahab anyway, and he tells him how this is going to go down. Elijah says, King, I want you to meet me on Mount Carmel. I want you to bring all the nation of Israel to watch this. I want you to bring the 450 false prophets of the false god Baal. I also want you to bring the 400 prophets of the false goddess Asherah. And we're going to show the people once and for all today that our God is real. And that takes us to 1 Kings chapter 18. Let's start in verse 20. We're going to kind of go through this this morning. One piece at a time. 1 Kings 18, 20 says, So... Ahab summoned all the Israelites and gathered the prophets at Mount Carmel. And then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? We're going to come back to this question later this morning. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal, follow Him. But the people didn't answer Him a word. So, You've heard me say this before. It's kind of a recurring theme throughout God's Word, and I'm going to bring it back up this morning. There are always before you two choices. There's always two choices. This nation, God's people, had totally forsaken their God. They'd chosen to worship false gods. Like I said, they'd had God's prophets slaughtered and killed. King Ahab actually believed that it wasn't his sinfulness that was bringing the famine and bringing God's judgment. He believed that it was the prophet Elijah that was causing all the problems. And he wanted to kill Elijah. And we look at this, and we th- I can't help but think this. How did these people, the people of God, the nation of God, get in such a situation as this? To where they want to kill God's prophets. They want to worship False gods. How do they not see that God is real? How do they worship something that's made by human hands instead of the creator of the universe? But remember, we've, we've talked about this a little bit before. The hard truth is we do this today, don't we? Some have gone so far to say that Baal worship is alive and well, even here in the United States. And you say, how can that be? Well, if you understand what Baal worship included, it makes a lot of sense. First of all, when people worshipped this false god Baal, it was always associated with fertility, with sexual immorality, this idea that anything goes, if it feels good, do it. Have you ever heard anything like that before? Our world, our culture is so sexually corrupt. Do you realize that the pornography industry worldwide brings in about $97 billion every year? Here in the United States, it's about $12 billion every year. $12 billion. The second part of Baal worship, Asherah worship, Malek worship especially, included some type of child sacrifice. Usually they would bring their babies, their children, 
The Bible, you sometimes read, they pass their children through the fire, and that's exactly what they did. They would allow their children to be burned as a sacrifice for these false gods. And then after that, sometimes they would not only burn those children, but they would have a barbecue and eat their own children. You think, how, did we, how does this happen? How do people get so depraved and so evil? Well, think about this. What have we done? Since 1973, we have killed 60 million of our children. 60 million babies. Some of them were burned alive in their mother's wombs. <laughs> so I would say, yeah, Baal worship is alive and well. We just call it different things. We don't call it idolatry. We call it convenience. We call it choice. We call it pleasure. But it is thriving. Remember in Joshua? I love the book of Joshua. It's my namesake. He was a fighter. He was God's warrior. But, God, but Joshua gave the people the exact same choice. So many years before, when they were on the brink of going into the promised land, well, they had actually went into the promised land at that point, and they still wanted to worship false gods. But he said, guys, you've got to choose today. You've got to make this choice today. Either worship those false gods, or you come with me, and we're going to worship the one true living God. And in 2415, he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We got those words hanging in our living room. It's just a reminder, this house, this home, this family is going to serve God no matter what. It's a choice we all got to make. We can continue idol worship, worshiping the God of self, or we can turn to the real God, the one true God, the creator of heaven and earth, and worship and serve Him. So in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah begins to give these guys instructions. And he tells them how to set this thing up, how to set this duel up on Mount Carmel. First he tells them, he reminds them, he says, Guys, I'm the only prophet of God that's left in this place. You got 950 false prophets right here, 450 that serve Baal alone. I'm the only guy. And he tells them, here's what you're going to do. You're going to get two bulls. Each side gets their own bull. Each side can prepare it however they want. They'll put it on the altars. And then each side needs to cry out to their God. We ain't going to light no fire. We're going to call out to our respective gods. And the God that answers with fire, we can say, that's the real God. And so they, their people are good with this. The Israelites, they're thinking, what's one dude, one old prophet, going to be able to pull up against these 450 prophets of Baal? They didn't believe that God was real at this point. And so Elijah, being a gentleman, he lets the prophets of Baal go first. Look down at verse 26. It says, So they, the prophets of Baal, took the bull he gave them, they prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Baal, answer us. <laughs> but there was no sound. No one answered. Then they danced around the altar they'd made. I love this part. At noon, Elijah mocked them. He said, shout loudly for he's a god. Maybe he's, maybe he's thinking, it's, uh, thinking it over. Maybe he's wandered away. Maybe he's on the road. Maybe, perhaps he's sleeping and he'll wake up. So they shouted loudly. 
They cut themselves with knives and spears according to their custom until blood gushed over them. All afternoon they kept raving until the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no sound. No one answered. No one paid attention. You know, we may give our hearts to a lot of other things. We may put a lot of other things in a lot of other people before God. But there is no other God besides our God. There's no other God that's going to answer. You don't matter what you do. It don't matter how hard you try or how uh, much you give yourself away to any other false God. There is no other God that's going to bring you anything other than our God. It's, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, it's comical how these, these prophets of Baal, they, they tried everything they could imagine to just try to get their pretend God to answer them. I mean, to cut themselves, they danced around, they tried to conjure up all these other things, and then Elijah just picks up on how ridiculous this is, begins to make fun of them. Maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe your God's taking a nap. But notice what the Bible says. They go so far in their pursuit of a God that doesn't exist that they destroy their own bodies. Do we ever do anything like that? Have you seen that happen in our culture, in our society? We destroy our bodies, we destroy our lives, we destroy our families. Jesus would say we forfeit our souls in pursuit of a God that isn't even real. A God that will never bring you peace, will never bring you hope, will never satisfy your soul because there is no other satisfaction other than through our God. Charles Spurgeon put it like this. He said, this is the one Easily besetting sin of our nature. To turn aside from the living God and to make unto ourselves idols in some fashion or another. For the essence of idolatry is this, to love anything better than God, to trust anything more than God, to wish to have a God other than we have, or to have some signs and wonders by which we may see Him, some outward symbol or manifestation that can be seen with the eye, or heard with the ear rather than to rest in an invisible God and believe the faithful promise of Him whom I hath not seen nor ear hath heard. In Psalm chapter 18, David, even in his imperfection, he said, God, God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is pure. He is a shield to all who take refuge in Him. In 31, he says, For who is God besides the Lord? The literal translation is, Who is God besides Yahweh? And who is a rock? Only our God. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 45 said, For this is what the Lord says, The Creator of the heavens, the God who formed the earth and made it, the One who established it, He did not create it to be a wasteland, but formed it to be inhabited. He says... I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no other God besides our God. 
No matter how many times we try to put another God on the throne of our life, the only God that's ever going to answer you, the only God that's ever going to bring you satisfaction and peace is the Lord Jesus Christ. And until you put Him on the throne of your life, you'll always want more. So today we've got to love our God, just like we sang about. With all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we've got to worship Him, adore Him, praise Him, serve Him, follow Him. There is no other God worth following. But then notice what happened. I love this part. Gosh, I love this part. Notice what happens when it's Elijah's turn. Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near me. So all the people approached him. And then he repaired the Lord's altar that had been torn down. When we get through this coronavirus church, we're going to have some altars that we've got to repair. Our churches have been hit pretty hard with this. And we're going to have some work cut out for us to fill them back up. Verse 31, Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel will be your name. And he built an altar with the stones in the name of the Lord. Then he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold about four gallons Next, he arranged the wood, cut up the bull, and placed it on the wood. You know what I love? I love that he's just doing all this work, and you know everybody's just standing around watching. These old Baal prophets are standing there, blood all over them, just worn out from crying out to a God that won't answer all day, and they're like, what is this fool doing? You're getting ready to see. He said, fill four water pots with water. Pour it on the offering to be burned and on the wood. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Then he said a second time, and they did it a second time. And then he said a third time, and they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, even filled the trench with water. At the time for the offering the evening sacrifice, the prophet Elijah approached the altar. He didn't dance around. He didn't cut himself. He didn't try to conjure up some feeling or whatever, here's what happened. He said, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel. And I'm your servant. And that at your word I've done all these things. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so that this people will know that you, the Lord, that you, Yahweh, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. That was it. And notice what happens. Then the Lord's fire fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, remember they had been standing there speechless, when all the people saw it, they fell face down and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And then Elijah ordered them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let even one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the Wadi Kishon and slaughtered them there. We said there's no other God besides our God. The last thing I want you to understand is what our theme is this morning. Our God is an unstoppable God. He cannot be conquered. He cannot be defeated. He cannot be stopped. These people 
did not expect God to show up, let alone for him to show up and show off. And that's exactly what God did. Elijah didn't have to go through a bunch of religious rituals. He didn't have to try and dance around like these other false prophets. He just called out to his God in simple faith, asked God to do what only God can do, and God answered. And you know, that's really all we have to do today. If you want to hear from God, guess what? Just call out to him. Paul said, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just cry out to God. He's there. He's listening. No prophets of Baal could stop him. Jezebel the queen that killed all God's prophets could not stop our God. When Jesus came, King Herod could not stop him. Pilate could not stop him even though he had him killed. The grave could not hold him back because he is an unstoppable God. No amount of water could quench his all-consuming fire on Mount Carmel that day. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher than any other. Just like we sang. You think, well, where do we see God do stuff like this today, preacher? I want to see some of this fire come down from heaven and burn up a bunch of people. Well, I'll tell you what. The greatest display of God's power and God's might is sitting right here today. It's God's church. It's His bride. As God's church continuously grows, and I'm just talking about Rock House, I'm talking about the church, the bride of Christ. As it grows and it expands across this globe, it is an unstoppable force because it belongs to an unstoppable God. For example, y'all have heard a little bit about China here lately, haven't you? been in the news. You realize that for years, for decades, China has been hostile to Christianity, like many other nations around the world. But take China, for example. It, it, despite persecution, despite people being thrown in jail for their faith, despite Bibles being confiscated, the Christian faith has flourished in places just like China and Iran and even in North Korea and some of these other places, you realize in the 1970s, they estimate there were about 3 million Christians in China. 3 million. That sounds like a lot. But there's, a, there's a lot of Chinese folk. In 2010, they estimated their, that number had jumped from 3 million to 130 million Christians. Our God can't be stopped. His church cannot be stopped. When Simon Peter confessed that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He did so in Matthew chapter 16 in a place that was so dark. In Jesus' day, it was the hub of sexual immorality, the hub of idol worship, the hub of child sacrifice, this dark, sinful place called Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus made a remarkable statement in, in, a, in the very heart of darkness that day. And in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus told him, He said, Blessed are you, Simon son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on the rock of the truth that I am the Messiah, that I am the Son of the living God, I will build my church. You see what Jesus was saying? He said, I'm going to display the power of God for generations to come, and it's going to be through my church. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Please understand that our God cannot be stopped. The coronavirus is not going to stop our God. Nothing in this world is going to stop our God. And you today are part of an unstoppable institution as part of the body and bride of Jesus Christ. And so what does that mean for you practically? That means that you can go out here and you can share the gospel and don't have anything in the world to be afraid of. Well, what if they don't like me? Big whoop! What if they beat me up? What if they cut my head off, preacher, for sharing the gospel? Guess what? You get to see Jesus face to face. It means you can pray some big prayers in faith. It means that you can overcome a few things in your life. Because God's on your side. It always goes back to that choice. I said this question would come back. This morning we want to start, stop where we started. There's always two choices. Look once again at verse 21. Elijah approached the people and said, How long? How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, man, just follow Him. But if it's Baal, if it's some other God that you're chasing, then follow Him. But the people did not answer a word. Isn't that sad that they had to see such a spectacle that day of God's power before they admitted and recognized that God is who He was? So what will you do? As Elijah said, how long are you going to waver? How long are you going to straddle the fence, man? Maybe you've been thinking about it. Maybe you've been thinking about getting into church. Maybe you've been thinking about getting saved. Maybe you've been thinking about committing to serving the Lord or whatever the case may be. Do you, do you find yourself worshiping these false gods? The God of self, the God of convenience, the God of pleasure. Today you need to turn your heart to the, the one true God. Maybe today you just need to flat out have a moment with Jesus and say, you know what? tired of straddling the fence. I want to be all in. I want to love Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, just like He said I should. Stand with us this morning. I want to pray for you. Father, this morning we come to You. And first of all, we are grateful, God, that we can be here to worship You together. Thank you, Lord, for getting us through this shutdown. On this Memorial Day weekend, God, thank you for those that have secured our freedom to be able to be here this morning. We have a lot of brothers and sisters around the world that cannot come together like this and worship freely. And God, I pray that's something that we never take for granted again. But Lord, even more than the freedom that we have in our nation, we thank you for the freedom that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ, who also paid the ultimate sacrifice for us, who laid down his life on that cross, God, that we could be saved, that we could have forgiveness of our sins. And not only that, but we could have everlasting life if we just make that choice today. God, if there's someone here that needs to do that, I pray that you just convict them. 
I pray that today they just give their heart to you. Just lay it all down and come to Jesus. Lord, I pray that your church this morning would be encouraged, that we would just be impassioned, God, and just realize that we are on the winning team here, that we serve an unstoppable, unconquerable God. Let us serve you with all our heart and all our might. God, we love you. We praise you. We give you this time in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.